BT 101 Sportscast. Thank you for joining me. I am Sean Anthony. We are part of, or I am part of, eh, we, why not, bettingtips101.com. Make sure to check out the site. We have all kinds of fantasy news, and we also cover all sports that really matter, including UFC 217, where you can see the breakdown and grade me on how I did for it. Fun fact, got one really, really wrong and got two really, really right. Go check it out to see which one I completely failed on and what two I completely called. One of which I feel like was kind of easy, but I know I'm playing the bait and switch game with how I'm saying it. Just go look at the damn website so that we can stop playing this game. All right, so obviously you know what we're talking about today. And I kind of felt, and my boss, who owns bettingtips101.com also thought this was a interesting thing to talk about simply because while we are all embroiled in now that Ezekiel Elliott as of I speak at 11:41 p.m. Eastern Standard Time he is currently resuspended asking for a quickened uh appeal for him to hear if he can get a stay again on the suspension but as of right now, he will be suspended. That said, this is a year-long situation, a year plus, I should actually say, a year and a half at this point, almost two years long uh, has this been going on, situationally speaking. And I feel that a lot of people don't actually know what in the hell happened outside of the very... uh, 12 to 15 second news bites you may see or the reddit post here and there where if you're like me sometimes you just kind of click the comments to go read those and then then you go look at the article or if you don't even look at the article at all i feel and i put a lot of effort into this so please roll with me i feel that it's an important thing that we run back over exactly why we're at where we're at and why Ezekiel Elliott is fighting this. And I feel that you have to look at something from uh, both perspectives. And because of that, and I I knew a pretty decent amount about this case, storyline, and situation, because I do live in Columbus, Ohio. I am actually friends with people that are friends with both of these individuals involved. Uh, So I know that I have some hearsay information, but it is third-party information that I've heard from some people that have been involved or around them in some of these situations. So I felt that it was a good idea to discuss this, and I'm not going to mention names of the people that I know that know both of these individuals, the accuser as well as Ezekiel Elliott, but I just want to go over the timelines of everything because it you can really start to see where it goes from oh he's guilty he's a dead in the water fish they got him to oh they need to really hold back the reins and the exact reason why Jerry Jones the players association and Ezekiel Elliott are fighting this so damn hard so just wanted to give you that introduction before we get going and I wanted to start first and foremost all the way back February 12th of 2016, this is when everything began uh, for this particular situation. Uh, This is as far back as these accusations go. Uh, 
Although she does state, as I'd like to point out, that this had happened prior to this date. Things had happened before. But she... They're, they're that Those are essentially, I hate to say, but those are essentially irrelevant. They're not part of this court case, which is what I'm discussing and what's important. So with that being said, let's go ahead and start February 12th, 2016. The accuser called the Aventura police that's in Florida, saying that after an argument with Ezekiel Elliott, he pushed her against a wall and hurt her. She said to the 911 operator that he hit her because she texted one of his old teammates, that teammate being Joey Bosa. He says that she visited him during a pre-draft training and was angry over a social media incident, which led to an argument, him asking her to leave. Uh, he alleges that he tried to lock himself in a room, but she grabbed him and pushed herself off of him. Paramedics reported no injuries or abrasions on her person when they examined her. Now, what did she tell the NFL? When she was interviewed by Kia Roberts, who was the NFL's director of investigation, she stated the following. The argument began because she was upset with Ezekiel Elliott whispering about another woman to a friend she referred to as a, quote, marketing agent who was into drugs, allegedly. She said Elliot shoved her against the wall multiple times and pinned her, which, as she said, left bruises and thumbprints on her arms. These, again, however, were not viewed by paramedics. She continued in a September interview where she told Roberts that Elliot stopped when he, quote, realizes what he's doing like every other time, and that's when I said, he said, just come to bed and lay down with me, end quote. The accuser said she tried to leave, but that he was intoxicated and, quote, when he drinks, it's just a different side to him. It's like he loses, like, all control of his self, end quote. She stated, after leaving and checking into the hotel, that a lawyer and agent for Elliot texted her due to worry that the press would find out about this issue. She apparently agreed to call the officer she talked to as she, quote, didn't want to ruin Elliot's career, end quote. She states Elliot texted her all day, came to her hotel twice, and uh, she said she did not remember the conversation they had, but that uh, she, quote, was done with him while he said he loved her and wanted to be with her. That is all her side to that story uh, in this specific situation. Now, Ezekiel Elliott's side, he says that he never called the, or I'm sorry, he says that she never called the police prior to July 22nd, 2016, which was a lie. He did correct himself to the NFL arbitrator Harold Henderson, saying he misinterpreted the question and thought Roberts was only asking about the events of that week. You can take that one of two ways, however you'd like, that he misunderstood the exact question, saying for that week specifically, or he was in fact lying. I tend to believe, I tend to err on the side of caution and say that that's a reasonable thing to say. I thought they meant just that week. At the same time, it's, it's really up to your own personal opinion. At his appeal hearing, he said the accuser was rude to him and his friend and suggested that she leave a day early to return to Ohio. She texted his former teammate, Joey Bosa, asking to stay with him. Bosa screenshotted the text and sent it to Elliot. Elliot states he never harmed the accuser and that the accuser was, quote, literally looking at me, literally started smiling and laughing. 
He also stated the police report got it wrong and that, quote, I didn't push her, I was trying to unlock my door. And that concludes Elliot's story for that specific date. April 28th, 2016, Elliot is drafted by the Cowboys. July 16th of 2016, the accuser picked up Elliot and a friend from the airport. They spent the entire day together and went to a club later that night. Were there together till 3.30 in the morning. Accuser confirmed that. July 17th to through the 27th, I'm sorry, 22nd, so the 17th through the 22nd on 2016, the accuser states that Elliot abused her up to five times in this time period. She was interviewed by police on the 22nd. The NFL determined Elliot had been violent in three instances that week. Elliot, of course, denies all of the allegations. July 17th, Incident 1. The accuser claims Elliot attacked her around 3 a.m. after an argument about their unhealthy relationship. She states Elliot is a frequent cheater, and she stated she had been with another man during a break period. That's when she stated he attacked her. She states, quote, this has previously happened as well multiple times in the past, end quote. What she told the prosecutor's office. She stated this had happened before and she only reported the Florida incident. She did not mention choking in the police report, but in the interview with the PO, there now was choking. She stated that she asked why a girl was calling in the early hours on the 17th. Elliot, as she says, called her a bitch and, quote, came over to my side, dragging me out of the bed, and then he threw me up against the door in his bedroom. Then he placed his right hand around my neck and started choking me, end quote. She continues that he choked her for about 20 or 30 seconds, released, and then tried to hit her, which she blocked. She started crying, and he asked if she was okay. She said no. He apologized. She stated he acted as though nothing happened, and she tried to leave, but he didn't want her to. Quote, I was scared he was going to touch me again, so I just listened and I laid back down, end quote. She said they then fell asleep. She stated they spent all of Sunday together at his apartment, and he would not let her leave. A witness statement. A friend of Elliot's signed an affidavit stating he had stayed the, in the apartment with Elliot and the accuser until 3.30 in the morning and did not witness a fight nor, quote, see any evidence or injury bruising or scrapes. Now, an important thing to point out here is a witness statement is, yes, it's a friend of Ezekiel Elliot's. But some of these witness statements as we keep, uh, keep going on, you're going to see how this sort of devolves, where it changes, I guess is the easiest way to put it. NFL deems Elliot was violent. The accuser took photos of the alleged injuries and sent them to her aunt. The NFL determined they were accurate to her accusations per medical experts consulted by the NFL. The experts stated the photos, quote, appear recent and consistent with the accuser's description of the incident and how it occurred. July 18th, the second alleged incident. What she told police, they had gone separately Sunday night. Elliot became angry and she arrived back to the apartment after Elliot, which made him more angry. She said Elliot choked her again. What she told the PO, when she returned, Elliot threatened to smash her car windows and headlights, then grabbed his keys that she had in her hand and twisted her arm, only stopping once as a friend told him to stop. She said she was bruised. 
She stated they continued to argue in front of said friend about another man she had been involved with. She said the reason they got back together at all is because he was frequently messaging her saying, quote, I can't lose you, I love you, end quote. She said he tried to leave, but could not get a friend to pick him up. They went to bed. She said she was, quote, still in fear, end quote. Witness statements. The friend in question stated he stayed overnight with them and did not witness an altercation. A co-worker of the accuser signed an affidavit saying she had hung out with her at a pool early the following day and saw no marks on the accuser who was wearing essentially a bikini. July 19th, third alleged incident. What she told the police. She returned from a night out, then Elliot threw her against the wall and told her she was, quote, lucky that he has not killed her yet, end quote. In a written statement, she says Elliot choked her, smacked her face, and called her his, quote, puppy dog, end quote. She states he apologized and calls it tough love, but that it wouldn't happen again. What she told the P.O. No mention of choking, nor throwing against the wall. No mention of him saying she was, quote, lucky that he has not killed her yet, end quote. Tuesday morning, they fought, and she said he said, you're in my house, you're my puppy dog, quote, end quote. And when she tried to leave, he said, quote, no, sit the fuck down, end quote. She alleges that Elliot threw her on the bed and told her not to move, took her phone and car keys. She also says he grabbed and smacked her face, which was, quote, really sore. She stated Elliot told her they were spending the day together, and then he broke down and cried, saying it was just tough love and he loved her so much. Witness Statement a friend of Elliot said the accuser returned to the apartment around 3.15 a.m. and said nothing of the alleged fight or injuries. Elliot did not return to the apartment until 8 or 9 in the morning. NFL deems Elliot violent. She again took pictures and sent them to her mother this time. The NFL concluded these injuries appeared recent and consistent. July 21st, the fourth alleged incident. What she told the police. After a night out, they returned together and Elliot lost it when she asked him a question. The question was not defined, from what I could see. He threw her against a wall, grabbed her throat, yanked her by her left wrist, and drug her across the floor. What she told the PO. She said Elliot threw her against the wall and she hit her head. Then Elliot drug her to the bedroom telling her, quote, don't play with me, end quote. Then he tried to call the guy she had been seeing when they were split. He didn't answer. She then brought up his cheating past. This is a quote from her. That's when he grabs my neck, pins me down to the floor, he gets on top of me, starts shaking me, I start gasping for breath, end quote. She said he lifted her up and threw her on the bed. She claims Elliot said, quote, I'm not dealing with your dumbass anymore, end quote. Then, quote, try to leave and see what happens, end quote. Witness Statement a friend of Elliot's said they were at a bar from midnight to 2 a.m. Thursday morning. He states the accuser met them there and they went back to Elliot's place together. The accuser was, quote, too intoxicated to drive, end quote, and stayed over. They signed an affidavit saying they slept across the hall and heard nothing violent occur. An OSU student who knows Elliot signed a sworn statement that he met Elliot, the accuser, and others that night and observed no brushing, I'm sorry, bruising, or injuries. Photos were attached. NFL deems Elliot was violent. Again, she took pictures. 
The NFL medical experts stated the injuries appear recent and consistent yet again. July 21st, Elliot's accuser talked about going to the police. What she told the PO. The accuser said she left Elliot's right after he did and that he had not laid a hand on her that day. She said he told her, quote, I don't know what's wrong with me, end quote. She said that Elliot told her he was scared to be around her as he did not want to abuse her again. Text messages entered into evidence. The accuser text, quote, I'm sorry, I just got my ass beat and I don't want to leave you. I'm sorry, I want to spend your birthday with you since you're going to Miami for the weekend. Tate is leaving. Unquote that for a moment. I don't know who Tate is that they are referring to. Elliot's text, quote, can you listen to me for once? Just have a bad feeling. You should leave. End quote. She said that later she told him she had enough and was going to the police. Later texts continue that were entered into evidence. Accuser, quote, where are you? Elliot, why are you not out celebrating my B-Day with me? You said you wanted to spend this day with me, but all you're trying to do is ruin it. You don't love me. Accuser, quote, you downtown? LOL. She then said that Elliot FaceTimed her and, quote, told me I can get the police involved all I want, that he's going to win, end quote, and that no one would believe her what Elliot said. Elliot said that the accuser was upset after he asked her to leave and told her that he couldn't go out with him that night. He states she replied, quote, okay, is this what you want? Okay, then I'm going to ruin your life. You will see. If I was you, I wouldn't go out tonight, end quote. Elliot also states he told her she couldn't come to his birthday party and she replied, quote, that's the worst decision you made in your life. I'm going to ruin your life now, end quote. Witness statement. A mutual friend of both the accuser and Elliot said the accuser showed her bruises, saying that Elliot had done it. The friend had not seen the bruises ten days prior, the last time the uh, witness had seen the accuser. The friend said they would not be willing to testify if it had gone to trial, as they were friends with both and felt a conflict. July 22nd, Ezekiel Elliot's birthday, the fifth alleged incident. And this is the one where it starts to get interesting. So pay the most attention here and cross-reference everything else I've talked about thus far. The accuser called the Columbus Police Department around 2.40 a.m. saying that Elliot had attacked her while she was sitting in her car after he requested she spend his birthday with him and stay the night. Her written statement says that Elliot cursed at her and, quote, yanked my right arm and dragged me out of the car leaving my right hand and wrist bruised and red. She was offered but refused medical treatment. She referred to Elliot as my boyfriend in a 911 call earlier that night, saying they had been attacked, that he had been attacking her for the last five days and had hit her all over. She said they lived together from November 2015 to January 2016. Police took pictures of visible injuries on her that day. She also posted to her Instagram account pictures of marks and bruises. Those are pretty famously out there. A lot of people have seen them. Elliot's statement. Elliot denied assaulting her that night and previously. He said that they had never lived together and never dated, although they had a sexual relationship. He paid her rent and co-signed a car as well. He states her bruises are from a bar fight she was in. He states she said to him, quote, you are a black male athlete. I'm a white girl. They are not going to believe you, end quote. 
Here's the witness statements to pay the most attention to. Four witness statements. All four witnesses said they saw the interaction in the parking lot between the accuser and Elliot and did not see him touch the accuser. The witness, who is friends in both parties, saw, said they saw the interaction and that Elliot did not touch her. She signed an affidavit contradicting the accuser. She also said the accuser asked her to lie on her behalf. Records show that the accuser texted her friend, quote, if they ask, he dragged me out of my car, end quote, while she was talking to the police. When her friend asked her if she wanted her to lie, the accuser responded with, quote, yeah, quote. In her statement, the friend continued saying they were at the social room with the accuser. She stated they left around 2 a.m. when another woman attacked the accuser with a face slap and hair pull. The friend attempted to pull the accuser away from the fight. This is confirmed by multiple witnesses, including two off-duty cops. However, they said they saw punches thrown as well. The friend said after the altercation, they left to meet up with Elliot and others at the place he was staying for his birthday. Elliot wasn't there, but pulled up later in a car driven by another woman. She is identified as a friend of Elliot's and was his designated driver that night. Bare minimum, let's give him credit for getting a DD that night. The accuser exited her vehicle and started yelling at Elliot and the driver, according to witnesses. The accuser's friend, Elliot, and two other witnesses signed statements that the accuser had yelled she was going to, quote, ruin his career, end quote. One witness told the PO. The accuser's friend told them that the two of them were at the social room after Elliot had kicked them out of his private section. She confirmed her early version of events, the fight with another woman, but she saw no punches thrown. The witness said when the accuser approached Elliot's car that he and the driver went around her and into the place he was staying. That is when she called the police. A conversation between the prosecutor's office and the witness. Quote, so she didn't call the police because of something that had occurred when you guys went to the after party. She called the police because of what happened before, right? Quote, end quote. Accuser's friend, quote, right, exactly, end quote. NFL agrees the accuser lied to the police. The NFL investigators interviewed the witnesses outside the social room. They confirmed the statement by the witnesses. Peter Harvey, an independent advisor to the investigation, acknowledged in the conference call that the accuser lied and asked her friend to lie about the events on July 22nd. Then followed, quote, but as to other statements that she made, both to the Columbus DA as well as the NFL investigators, she was absolutely truthful about them, end quote. What the police said. The police did not arrest Elliot due to conflicting statements. They could not verify that the two had lived together and referred the accuser to the prosecutor's office. July 22, 2016, NFL confirms it will review the case. July 25th, Elliot's accuser forwards the prosecutor office to photos of her injuries. September 5th, 2016, Elliot files harassment report against the accuser. Elliot filed a report in Frisco, Texas over an incident two days prior. He claimed she had called more than 50 times on September 3rd and that he told her she was not supposed to contact him. He stated she left a voicemail which the PD recommended he kept. Elliot said she also hacked into his email and began contacting women Elliot had been involved with. September 6th, 2016. 
Columbus Prosecutor Office announces no charges. It would not pursue domestic violence charges against Elliot, quote, primarily due to conflicting and inconsistent information, end quote. The NFL continued their investigation stating, quote, it is not enough simply to avoid being found guilty of a crime. We are all held to a higher standard and must conduct ourselves in a way that is responsible, promotes the values of the NFL, and is lawful, end quote. September 21st, 2016. Elliot's accuser texts friend about blackmailing Elliot over sex tapes. Per the NFL investigation, the accuser turned over phone records. Included in the 160 pages was an exchange between the accuser and a friend. Text message follow. Accuser, what if I sold mine and Ezekiel's sex videos? Friend, we'd all be millionaires. Friend, we could blackmail him with that. Accuser, I wanted to, bro. Friend, let's do it. Accuser, scared. Accuser also registered Ezekiel Elliott's sex vids as an email address. She was confronted by investigators and admitted to the email address and having sex tapes, but that it was not her purpose to use them for blackmail. October of 2016, Elliott meets with NFL investigators, and Jerry Jones confronts NFL lead investigator Lisa Friel. October 31st, 2016, Columbus prosecutor believes Elliott was violent with accuser. The Columbus prosecutor, Robert Tobias, said, quote, I personally believe that there were a series of interactions between Mr. Elliott and the accuser where violence occurred. However, given the totality of the circumstances, I could not firmly conclude exactly what happened versus having sufficient evidence to criminally charge someone. Those are two completely different things. Tobias later told the NFL he did not think she lied in his office. Quote, we generally believe her for all of the incidents, end quote. March 11th, 2017, Elliot pulls down a woman's top at St. Patrick's Day Parade. NFL told Elliot, quote, it suggests a pattern of poor judgment and behavior, end quote. May of 2017, NFLPA turns over Elliot's phone records. June 26th, 2017, Elliot meets with independent advisors. Elliot met with all advisors. Later, the four advisors all met with Roger Goodell separately to give their opinions on the case. Goodell was not present for Elliott's meetings or other hearings. The accuser cooperated with NFL's investigation. She talked to investigators too, although Goodell never interviewed her himself. July 22nd, 2017, Elliott's accuser posted about her quote, very toxic relationship, quote, end quote, with Ezekiel Elliott. She wrote to TMZ, quote, exactly one year ago today, my life changed forever. Loving someone as much as I did, putting my all in no matter what happened. I finally got the strength to be a strong woman I was and got myself out of a very toxic relationship. Ladies, never think you're too in love or too scared to leave because at one point that was me. There's plenty of opportunities out there for you. Love yourself first. Speak up and stop domestic violence. End quote. July 23rd, 2017, Jerry Jones says there's no evidence against Elliot. August. NFL suspends Elliot six games. Elliot files his appeal, and then Goodell appoints Harold Henderson to hear appeal. NFL and NFLPA spar. Now we are where we are. You've had suspension upheld, then it's reversed in the courts, then it's upheld again, then it's reversed, then it's upheld, injunction, all of that. What I want to talk about here, point blank, is where everything went wrong for the case itself. 
Now, obviously, everyone's going to formulate their own opinion, and I'm going to assume that you are expecting me to formulate my own. Do I think Ezekiel Elliott did anything abusive physically? Probably. It's it's very probable. Uh, it, it's consistent with a lot of aggressive nature. I can't speak from experience of <laughs> knowing both of them personally and uh, having a relationship with them, but it is very possible that he indeed has laid his hands on her. The problem is, and this is both fair and unfair in both regards, when she lied, she lost credibility. And that's the number one thing you have to look out for. When you lie about something and you're caught in that lie, your credibility then becomes moot. The minute that she texted a friend and told her, oh, by the way, if they ask you, yeah, he pulled me out of the car. He got physical with me. Despite the witnesses, four witnesses corroborating the same story, that hurts your credibility. And that hurts her argument. You can't go around saying you're going to ruin their career because then it turns away from, is this about his domestic violence or is this about you trying to get a paycheck out of him to be quiet? And I'm not advocating on his side. I'm not advocating that you should pay someone off for the abuse that you put them through. What I'm saying is when you're caught in a lie and it's one involving domestic violence and there's witness cooperation and you there's text message evidence that you asked someone to lie for you it's a downhill slope okay well did she get this person to complicitly lie on her behalf what about that person are these pictures really her did these pictures happen after getting uh, the, when Elliot says oh she got in a bar fight that's how she got those bruises that's fully possible now because you had that there was a bar fight corroborated where she took one in the face, possibly got punched, was definitely attacked, bare minimum, for reasons I don't know. The problem is, when you accuse someone of domestic violence, and then you start trying to essentially blackmail them, or uh, go after them, or get someone to lie for you, that's when you start losing credibility. And that right there is her biggest problem. It is fully possible that she was abused, no doubt. And if she was, I am very sorry for her, and I'm glad that she got out of it, and that she's alive. Now, along with a lot of things, she doesn't keep a consistent story when she talks to the prosecution's office and the police. That was a big problem for her as well. There isn't 100% of consistency there. And I say that's important because when you have, especially right now, when in the last few months you've had, God, what, five, six, seven people getting taken down for their, uh, whether it's sexual assault or rape, or Kevin Spacey, uh, Weinstein, Roy Moore now uh, trying to s basically have sex with a 14-year-old girl 30-some years ago. 
These are things that when you have a consistent story, if you go read the Washington Post story, now I have, I don't live in Alabama. I don't have a voting ability one way or the other. I couldn't care less about Roy Moore personally. But when you read the Washington Post story and you have this girl said this and then her friend corroborated it and her other friend corroborated it and then two other women corroborated that story, you're looking at a pattern of truth, a pattern of the same story of women that don't necessarily know each other, especially not anymore, trying to remember something that happened 30 or 40 years ago, that were reluctant to talk about it in the start, keeping the same story in line. Something humans have a big problem with is when we witness or are part of something, we tend to remember it in a much more grandiose way than, than it happened. What I mean by that is uh, if you're out at a bar with some friends and you witness a fight and there's a couple of punches thrown but not a whole lot happens and then a day or two later you have someone, man, there was a fight? Oh yeah, this one dude got hit in the face, blood coming out of his nose. It was, it was, dude got hit, KO'd. All right. No, none of that actually happened. <laughs> two dudes were throwing hands at each other. One may have landed, two may have landed. There was no blood. Uh, they immediately were pulled back and stopped. But you remember things in a grandiose manner. I've been in those situations. I've witnessed certain things that I don't like to talk about. They're not sexual in nature. They're violent. I just don't like remembering them because they were a bad part of my life. I've witnessed things, then I've sat back and I thought, okay, this happened, this happened. Wait, did it? I don't really remember that, but I feel like I saw it. The problem here is that she had consistency issues. Then you turn around and she, can, she talks about considering selling sex tapes that she has. Considering trying to get paid from those. Then owning a... <laughs> owning a email address that is quite literally Ezekiel Elliott sex tapes at insert, you know, webaddress.com. It's a hard game of he said, she said. And of course a victim in these situations, an accuser, should always be taken seriously and be granted protections. But until someone is proven to be guilty we have to presume is an innocence legally now from <laughs> from a societal perspective we judge immediately without question what i'm trying to look at here from a legal perspective is if i'm in the situation of a lawyer and i've studied law i don't have a law degree don't let me tell you that but i've taken a handful of law courses in college and the number one thing to point out there is if you're on the defense, and Ezekiel Elliott's obviously on the defense, where can you point out a lie? Where can you point out inconsistency? And unfortunately here, she is extremely inconsistent in numerous areas. And then she asks someone to lie for her on her behalf. Those are two troublesome problems. If you are, and this goes back to one of the incidents, if you are choked 
you don't forget something like that. And to forget mentioning that to whether it's the police or the, the prosecution's office, if that happened, you have to mention it to both. You have to remember what happened. Small details are one thing. He slapped me across the face. Uh, which cheek was it? I, I can't remember. That's a smaller detail. That's a smaller detail. He choked me is a complete full action. He slammed me against the wall. A complete full action. He grabbed my wrist. Which wrist? I don't remember. Again, small detail by comparison to a full action. And that is a big part of the problem for the accuser in this situation. She has a, essentially up until she was caught lying, she had a rock solid story. There, he was probably going to get arrested for domestic violence until she texted. Until she texted a friend and told her to lie on her behalf, Ezekiel Elliott was probably going to get arrested. That's how powerful that text message was. That was the end of her attempting this entire situation, this case. The minute that she was proven a liar beyond a doubt and acknowledged the lie, that's when her credibility went out the window. Because there's no way, and remember, whether you're mad right now or not about how I'm saying this, in a courtroom, you have to prove without a shadow of a doubt. The jury can't just go, yeah, he pro, like how I'm saying, he probably did something. I can't, I would still vote innocent. I would vote innocent because I can't reasonably tell you, oh, he for sure did that. We don't have any pictures of prints on her neck. We don't have cooperation from witnesses saying, oh yeah, I saw bruises all over her. You're talking about a five-day period where she's saying that she beat her ass like they were WWE wrestlers. And not a single person, while well, she went out with him when they were at home, not a single person saw any sort of bruising. There's photographic evidence out at the club, no bruising. She gets into a fight at the club. She asks someone to lie on her behalf, saying that Ezekiel Elliott attacked her in public in her car. Do you see my point here? Whether or not you think Ezekiel Elliott had hurt her in the past, she has been shown to lie. She has been shown to not have great evidence outside of her own personally taken pictures. Only one witness could corroborate that there was bruising of any kind, but they could not corroborate that it was done by Elliot, just that the accuser told them it was done by Elliot. No person said that they heard any sort of violence. I understand it's Ezekiel Elliot's friend. I completely get that. My point is, there was no witness saying they heard or witnessed violence. The problem is she lied. She lied, and that screwed her case completely. That's how important a text message was in this entire case. That was literally the crux of the case came down to her saying, if they ask you, Ezekiel grabbed me out of the car. You want me to lie? Yeah. <laughs> that was the end of the case. Bam, book is shut. Case over. You lied. You lied, and you got caught. 
You asked someone to lie for you. That was the end of it. She did not bring up things that happened, and she was not truthful, and she got caught. Now, I don't want you to think that I'm some anti-domestic violence, uh, you know, for the accuser by any means. No, I'm not. But what I'm saying is, how many times have we had to go through and see an athlete get accused of this and see them come out (laughs) being destroyed? It happens. We had the one accuser who levied, I believe it was rape charges against a guy and sued the high school she went to, I forget his name offhand, sued the high school, won, I believe it was like a million dollars, and then after he gets out of prison, she contacts him on Facebook and basically admits that it didn't happen and says she was sorry. Which he then entered into evidence. He was accused and they did not take into account anything he said. They just went, nope, you're a rapist, put him in jail took away his life, took away his career. Why? Because some girl wanted to lie about rape. That was it. She didn't even have a good reason for it. She wasn't a spurned lover. She wasn't some woman who was obsessed with him. She just did it because she could. And that's the problem. I can't assume anything one way or the other. Oh, he definitely did it. Really? How do you know? Oh, she's definitely lying. Really? How do you know? (laughs) There's a reason that evidence is a thing. And if you look at this case from top to bottom, and I mean, I have eight pages of notes that I put together for this. And I made sure to write it out, everything I just told you, to 100% make sure that I got it correct. Now, of course, there is a lot more detail. There's a lot more to scour through. If you're interested, please, by all means, go look. But there is a thousand plus pages of work put into this. And it is a lot to look at. But the problem becomes, what, whatever you text can be entered into evidence. And that's where she lost her case. I don't want to go through another Duke lacrosse situation where we believe the accuser because, oh, well, that's the accuser. Of course they're they're not lying. But they were. They absolutely lied. They lied. They got Duke's lacrosse team coach fired because he backed his team. It's, It's a circle that you've got to stop. Just because... It's a man that gets accused doesn't mean he did it. And just because it's a woman that accused doesn't mean she's trying to gold dig and get a free payday. Not every person that cries rape or domestic violence is truthful. That doesn't always mean, though, that there was no domestic violence or rape. And we've got to be able to differentiate that. Human beings lie. You lie, I lie, everyone lies. We've all made had little dumb white lies and then important lies that can hurt somebody, whether physically, mentally, emotionally. We've all lied to varying degrees in our lives because sometimes you just make a bad decision and sometimes you just want to say, oh yeah, I only had a six-piece chicken nugget when you had a ten-piece, you lying son of a bitch. (laughs) Some lies are really mattering, some... Not so much. 
it, it doesn't matter that you didn't that, that you had sweet and sour sauce but you didn't say that part it, it doesn't matter but saying hey can you lie for me on this extremely important case that determines this man's entire life that's an important ass lie because putting someone away based on a lie, based on someone asking you to lie for them, that isn't justice. Even if that person domestically abused you, if you have the evidence and the ability to put them away based on your honest truth, do that. Getting caught in a lie only, only hurts you, hinders your desire for justice. And for her, that's where I feel no pity. If you were domestically assaulted and you were hurt and he physically hurt you, by all means, I, I feel every amount of pity that I can for you that that happened. Do I feel pity in how you handled yourself during this investigation? Oh, hell no. You lied. You lied and you caused this. You caused this case to go the way it did because of your own actions. You have to admit that you screwed up. And that's the problem. Whether or not Ezekiel Elliott's abuse, an abuser, only a handful of people will truly know. And we'll let Ezekiel Elliott's future determine itself and prove us right or wrong. In the end, though, for the NFL, Ezekiel Elliott has become more of a beacon for Roger Goodell to try to throw his hat at and shove a gigantic red-headed flag into. He screwed up the Ray Rice case. He screwed up on numerous occasions. Uh, Greg Hardy, for example, was another one that he screwed up on. He's had massive failures. So what is he doing? He's trying to slow it down and smash this with a hammer as hard as he can. But he's not understanding that while, yes, I understand the view of the NFL saying it doesn't matter that you weren't found guilty we determined you were guilty cool sure that's your view the problem becomes though okay he wasn't found guilty but what if a guy is found guilty does he get a full season suspension uh, does he get kicked out determining punishment is the biggest problem here you either have to suspend them for an allotted amount of time that makes sense or you have to continue making it more and more ridiculous. It's getting to a point where Roger Goodell doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to handle this. And it, Jerry Jones is fed up with it and he's flipping his lid. And that's why he's currently getting a lawyer to basically sue the NFL for the contract that they want to give Roger Goodell as an extension. Where this goes, I don't know, but you're going to have a culture clash come up in the next collective bargaining agreement. And you're going to see one of two things. Either you're going to see the NFLPA lobby hard for guaranteed contracts and a more fair and understandable legal system. Because... I mean, you have to look at it. The NFLPA has no idea what exactly... So, you're convicted or plead guilty of domestic charges. This is how many games you get. Uh, your, your accuser drops the charges, but you still want to 
enforce something on them. So this is how many you get. You're found innocent or charges are not brought up. Here's how much you get. Can you tell me what the varying degrees? And there's no reason that if you're found guilty of domestic violence, you should get less or equal time to someone who doesn't even have charges brought up against them. That just doesn't make sense. That's it's like having a, an equal sentence to, or a lesser sentence for murder than attempted murder. Like one is bad, horrible. The other is like way, way worse. <laughs> One, you failed. The other one, mission accomplished. You have to hold things to varying degrees based on the crime that was committed. Sexual assault and rape. They're two different things, but they're both involving the same situation. But you can't hold them to the same exact standard. They're both different things within the same context. And that's the NFL's problem. That's Roger Goodell's problem. I have no idea what the suspension should be for Ezekiel Elliott. If it was two or four games, you may have seen them just accept it and move on. Instead of six games or half a season. Is that what it is? So he gets six games for no charges being brought against him, but the NFL determined he was violent. Now, what if someone pleads guilty? Do they then get, what, eight games? So it's a two-game difference from no charges and then pleading guilty to domestic violence. That, <laughs> that, I don't know, if you're me, I'm looking at it from the, the legal standpoint. That that's, doesn't make any damn sense. It doesn't make any sense, especially when you have the sort of drug enforcement on suspensions that they have or PED enforcement that they have. They really desperately need to get cohesion going. And once they get that going, they'll be in a better place. But thank you for joining me. I know this was long. It was winded, but I feel like it's a little important for everybody to look into, understand the facts of it, because these are all facts directly from the sources. I didn't make any of these things up. All of the quotes are direct quotes. Thank you for joining me. I will get back to much more enjoyable sports talk stuff. Less about domestic violence, more about fantasy and what's going on in the uh, you know world of sports. So have a good one. Nothing says happy Friday morning like talking about domestic violence, huh? I promise it'll be much better, a lot less dark, and we will get to a more enjoyable week next week here on BT101 Sportscast. Mm-hmm.